Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Rosh Hashanah sermon by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. Kelsey is a nurse, and one day during her third pregnancy, everything goes wrong. Her story keeps me company on a podcast as I drive solo from Los Angeles to my parents' place in San Diego this June. It's the first of 25 white-knuckled drives between our two summer homes, and I'm intent on clearing the 250-plus miles without stopping. And because this is my first COVID drive and not my 25th, I'm jittery. And as I take in Kelsey's saga, I sip my coffee extra slowly to delay any demand for a pit stop. Later in the summer, I'll memorize which lights are busted on the neon sign outside the Denny's along the freeway's edge in Orange County, but I don't know that yet. Right now, I only know what can be known through the limited goggles of foresight. And it takes so much effort not to catastrophize at each mile that I'm alert with anxiety. The podcast is terrible, thanks for asking. It's a wonderful show, that's just the name of it, terrible, thanks for asking. The host is Nora McInerney, an American essayist and a young widow who writes candidly and wrenchingly about her experiences of loss, heartache, and self-renewal. On her podcast, she features the stories of others who are, you guessed it, terrible, thanks for asking. And in this story, Kelsey has found herself suddenly feverish and then quite weak to the point of serious medical concern. She is diagnosed with CMV, a virus that puts her fetus at risk. And this would be more than enough, thank you very much for any pregnant human, when she begins to experience new and alarming symptoms. Tingling and then numbness, persistent weakness progresses to the point that she's admitted to the hospital where she is told that she has Guillain-Barre syndrome. Her body's immune system is attacking its nervous system in response to the virus. And there is no way to tell what the outcome might be, except that her body is slowing its vital functions one by one. It's enough to scare her and her husband and her doctors and me. By then, I am gripping the steering wheel and my mirror neurons are firing wildly. And I'm wondering if this is the right choice of podcast, but there is no turning back because now I must know how the story ends. Kelsey's world shrinks and every action becomes labored, even involuntary muscle movements, like drawing breath. She waits every day for a sign for the plateau. Every Guillain-Barre patient experiences a plateau in their recovery, a stuck point that can last days or weeks 
or months. This is when symptoms peak and then stick and then linger and linger some more. There is no way of knowing how long the plateau will last for any Guillain-Barre patient, not until that phase is in the rearview mirror as symptoms gradually, blessedly begin to ease. Every day is an exercise in faith that the next day might be better. Now the episode is crafted in such a way, narrated in the first person by the survivor, that I know Kelsey eventually eases out of that plateau, pulling up from the terrible flat landscape in which her motor movement is almost null. But back in that hospital room in the plateau, all there is is the past and the present and hope. Kelsey's story imprints on me in part because I'm such a wreck listening to it on that long distance drive and also because the idea of plateau is so resonant this season, this year, a year that is suspended, a year perpetually lacking in resolution, the long plateau. I remember where I am sitting in the Oded room at the Fuchsburg Center on a grown street in a liturgy class with Rabbi Daniel Goldfarb when I first learned this Mishnah from Rabbi Eliezer and Pirkei Avot. Shuv, yom echad lifnei mitatecha. Repent one day before your death. And since I don't know, you don't know, and we don't know what day our deaths might be, we should repent every day. This is a theology of humility. I submit. I submit to the not knowing of where I am in the narrative of my mortality. Maybe I'm still in my youth because my consciousness will be uploaded to the cloud in a few years and my sentience will be preserved indefinitely. Or maybe this is the prime of my life. Or I'll die tomorrow. What I know is that I do not know if this is my beginning or my middle or my end. There is one room in my parents' home that's lined with bookshelves and they're stuffed so full it's hard to get a book back on the shelf once you pulled it out. It's there where I discover novels a year or two before I should be reading them. Salinger and Kafka, this probably explains a lot about me. The summer before high school, I find Ragtime, which is nearly 250 pages of tiny print in paperback, and I rely heavily on my bookmark. I carry the book everywhere. And once at an appointment, I drop it and the bookmark splashes onto the pavement. That night I sit with the book and search for where I might have left off, but it's nowhere, I'm nowhere. I can't find my spot. My mom reminds me that I can just start all over again and I cry and I refuse and then I do. I start the whole book over again and eventually I lap myself where I last left off and I don't even notice. That is Elul, usually. An exhausting, cathartic, 
renewing return, a turning back on the calendar cycle and the self, finding my place again. Six months ago, as the gears of our country quiet to a stop, I hear the shouts of self-appointed prophets ringing in the news. This is just the beginning, some say. We're in for a long haul, bound to change the landscape for a couple of years, and then some hunger down. Others proclaim that the worst is over, but here we are hovering in the quiet of the storm. And then there are those who just weeks into lockdown declare that we will return to recognizable normalcy soon. You'll see. Their claims to prescience overwhelm me because I know what we all don't know. Shuv, yom echad mitatecha. No one knows. And I take solace in this not knowing. I embrace the free fall. When I am a child, my father takes our family on Sunday drives through neighborhoods with old beautiful houses and teaches me about architecture. Frank Lloyd Wright and Irving Gill, we live in Southern California after all. And there he points out adobe and craftsman style and then Cape Cod and Italian tiled rooftops. He finds joy in this aimless wandering. We turn up a street and then back down the next and I ask if we are lost. And he says with a smile, wherever we are, we are here. To give in to where you are in life, in your story, humble submission, wherever you are, you are here. This is 5781, the great plateau a time of being suspended midair, a time of freefall. At the beginning of all this, I keep a calendar to mark the weeks and then the months were in quarantine. And at some point I wonder, how long should I continue to keep track? When does a phenomenon transition into life itself? Words from Psalm 90 beg that wisdom. Limnot yamenu ken hoda v'navi levav chokhmah. Teach us to count our days rightly that we may obtain a heart of wisdom. It's possible, I think, I know, to want to be utterly patient through this mess of a pandemic and also to have run out of patience long ago. To ask God to grant us fortitude and teach us composure and in the same breath, pray for some God-forsaken relief. To pray for strength and to pray for the end of the plateau. This is how Kelsey survives her torturous ordeal. Kelsey, whose bedridden gaze cast a laser focus on her big toe with a prayer that every day, today, today would be the day it would twitch or wriggle. She wakes up every day with the optimism that she has reached the other side of the plateau. And that is her everyday return. Shuv yom echad And one day, it does return. The movement in the toe and life itself to each nerve ending millimeter by millimeter across her patient body, humility, wrapped in a gauzy layer of persistence overlaid with enduring and sustained belief that her life is in her hands and sometimes not. Over the course of the past six months, I call a few hundred Beth Am members 
just to ask how you've been. And I hear that this is how some of you are surviving the pandemic too. Some of you possess a remarkable buoyancy that manages without eclipsing science or reason to carry you through the crashing tides of challenge. You hammer at each day from a place of steady and tenacious optimism, imagining that every day is ripe with possibility that a vaccine is nearer, that our rates are decreasing, that school waiver news is coming, that you might receive positive word about loved ones or friends who are suffering. We talk about money and love and loneliness. We wonder longingly about tomorrow. The great thing about a plateau is that the horizon is straight on out ahead and you swear you see a bright spot. So you awaken each day and you stare at your toe and you wiggle. Do you have dark days? Absolutely. You speak of the kinds of weeks when the cat has walked through the Zoom meeting twice and you cannot find bread flour anywhere and you miss your family terribly because they're across the country or across the city and you still wish the family you live with could be a lot quieter while they go to Zoom school around the kitchen table. This is exhausting. And some days you are weary. We are weary. Rabbinic literature is like, it's like a paper cone being dipped slowly in upside down circles around a cotton candy machine collecting thin, sweet webbed layers of wisdom. And here comes a teaching by Rav Nachman of Bretzlav, the 19th century Hasidic master, like a sweet blanket to wrap around you at the end of a terrible, no good, awful day. The Rebbe was once speaking to a man and quoted this Mishnah, repent one day before your death. The Rebbe stressed the words, one day, drawing them out at great length, one day. Before your death is your entire life. During your entire lifetime, you may only be worthy of one day of repentance. This one day is more precious than all treasures. For what does a person gain from all his worldly effort? Nothing remains of your entire life other than this one day of repentance before God. Repent one day, even one day before your death during your sojourn here on earth. Forget about yesterday and tomorrow. This one day is everything. Understand this. Shuv, Yom Echad, one occasional good day. That's all we need. And we can forgive ourselves a bit of pessimism on the rest and permit ourselves the occasional hope too, allowing ourselves to lean into the comfort that wherever we are, we are here. I want to have a time machine that takes me just one day beyond the end of this pandemic. For a thousand years in your eyes is like a day of yesterday. It's past, like a night watch. I crave the hindsight of the divine, the omniscience that would let us know if I truly am at the beginning of my life, at the middle or at the end. If I am at the beginning of this saga or the middle or the end. Often when I call out, Ad Matai, 
until when it isn't a call for the end of pain, or at least it isn't just that, but rather a deep desire to know where the bookmark is in my narrative, how many pages are left in this story. And since I don't know the answer to that question, I am free to keep paging ahead one day after the next and then the next. Some days I will be terrible, thanks for asking. And on others, I'll be certain that I'm nearing liftoff from the plateau. One morning we will wake up and this entire piece of history will be in past tense. May we merit to survive it in the present tense, each and every day, in the perfectly impatient company of community, all of us sitting with the not knowing as we lumber into the first day of 5781. It is, after all, just another day. Shana Tova. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.